You just watched a video about people who were willing to go be among folks that life has separated them from. They heard the call and they said yes. But let's be honest, sometimes we hear the call to do that and we say no. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about this morning in our next message in the called series. So open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Now, I'm particularly excited because due to the marvels of modern technology, I think by satellite link this morning, we're going to try to visit with Jonah himself. So if you go ahead and set up the link and we're going to try to find Jonah. Uh, Jonah, are you there? Uh, let me see. Uh, it's kind of dark. We must have a bad connection. Are we not getting No, that? no, Rick, I'm here. It is uh, just really, really dark in here. Hold on. Uh, let me light this lamp real quick. Oh, so glad I brought this. Well, I hear you got a call from God, so I guess you're on your way to Nineveh. Yeah, um, about that. I have actually hit a bit of a detour. Well, what happened? Well, um, that call to go to Nineveh, I didn't really want to answer it. But didn't God tell you to go there? He did. He did. But uh, have you ever been to Nineveh? It's awful. Nobody wants to go there. If you have to travel through Nineveh, you either go around it completely or you just put your head down and you go straight through it. No stops. It's uh, it's like Arkansas. Come on. It, it can't be that bad. You have to go hide in the cave. Yeah, this uh, this isn't exactly a cave. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but I am actually inside of some sort of huge sea creature. I don't even know what it is. It's a really, really big fish of some sort. What happened? Well, like I said, I, I didn't want to go to Nineveh, so I hopped on a boat, headed the other direction. I figured God can't be everywhere at once, right? Well, actually, he can. He's omnipresent. Yeah, yeah, so I've learned. Uh, so, like I said, I'm on this boat with all these nice people, and the biggest storm I've ever seen in my life blows in. I mean, waves are crashing over the boat. It's raining sideways. The wind is blowing. And uh, somebody asked me, why is this happening? And uh, I knew. I said, I'm the reason the storm is here. Go ahead and toss me over. Uh, but they were cool. They were like, no, no, we'll try to row back. And they tried. Uh, but about ten minutes later, they came and said, hey, uh, remember plan B? And uh, over the side I went. And sure enough, right away the storm stopped, which was great for them. But, but I figured I was finished. I mean, I'm not exactly Michael Phelps. And uh, next thing I know, I'm some big fish's idea of lunch. It's pretty amazing stuff, right? Wow. So instead of finding Nemo, it's finding Jonah. What have you been doing in there? Well, a lot of thinking. There's not a whole lot else to do. It's not like i got a wee hooked up in here. And what have you concluded? Uh, two things. One, um, if God calls you to do something, do it. Two, I'm never eating sushi again. Well, it sounds like you've learned some great things, Jonah, and I bet if you get that call again, you're going to do better next time. I sure hope so. Uh, my new life mission, get me to the beach, and I'll go preach. Okay. Go for it, Thanks, dude. Rick. Oh, hey, Rick, tell yeah. Patty Weaver that I think my life story would make an incredible summer spectacular.
Yeah, a little late for that, buddy. Well, there's a story in Reader's Digest. A man writes in, he had a brother named Peter that went to the University of Minnesota. And his brother had a friend who was an art major and took this class. And one of his assignments was to paint a real-life portrait. So he asked Peter to be his model. So he painted the portrait, turned it in, and he got for a grade a C-. minus. So he went to his art instructor and said, why did I get such a poor grade? And the instructor said, because your proportions were totally outrageous. I mean, the head's too big and the shoulders are too wide and the feet are enormous. So he went and got Peter, brought him back to class the next morning, and the teacher looked at him and said, okay, I'll give you an A-. minus." And the moral is that if you're going to paint a good picture, you have to include the flaws. And so when the Bible tells us these stories about people who heard a call from God, it doesn't shy away from the people who heard a call and didn't respond like they were supposed to. An honest study of calling has got to include those times when God got a bad connection. And you know you're reading about a bad connection when you read about a prophet defection. Look at the first three verses of the book of Jonah with me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. But Jonah... But Jonah ran away. Now understand that God had every right to send Jonah to Nineveh because his claim on his servants is absolute. See, fundamental to the job description of a prophet is that you go and you take the word of the Lord wherever God wants to send it. But Jonah would rather resign his prophetic office than resign to the will of the Lord. Now, when he says he's running away from the Lord, I don't think Jonah thought he could actually go to some place in the world where God wasn't still the Lord. He wasn't running so much from the presence of the Lord as he was running from the service of the Lord. See, up to this point, no prophet of God, this is before the exile, no prophet has ever gotten a call outside of Israel. So Jonah thinks, if I get away from here, he can't use me because he's thinking God won't call me long distance. Now, what on earth would cause... Such a bad connection between God and one of his prophets. Well, I would argue that Jonah gave God the stiff arm for the same reason you and I do. Because he thought he knew better than God what was best. He didn't think it was a good idea to go to Nineveh. Now, you know if you've read the rest of the book what happens. After he gets out of the fish, he does go to Nineveh. He does preach. The city repents. And God decides not to destroy Nineveh. Listen to Jonah's reaction in chapter 4. 
But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? And that is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, Jonah realized that God's judgment declared was Nineveh's opportunity to be spared. He knew his God. He knew the character and the heart of his God. And he knew that wherever God sees repenting, God is then going to become relenting of sending judgment. And Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be spared. Particularly in view of the fact that his own nation was living wickedly. His own people were not responding to prophetic warnings. So if Nineveh has a revival, and if God's favor is on Nineveh, what's that going to mean for Israel? And so Jonah decides, I know better than God what is best for my country. Because he was an ardent nationalist, and he's not the first, and sadly he's not been the last to confuse loving your country and loving God, and they're not the same thing. You are to love God more than you love your country. And Jonah wasn't willing to do that. And he wanted no part of a call that he didn't perceive was in his nation's best interests. And so he chose to be a renegade. And I think it's a choice every one of us has made at least once in our lives. But here's what I want you to know. You can run from the call. But you cannot outrun the caller. See, you never get a long distance call from God. Because you can't go anywhere where it's long distance to God. So let's read what happens in the rest of the chapter. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made, notice what he puts first, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wider than before. And then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now watch this. At this, the men greatly feared Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh. 
and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we've been trying this totally failed tactic of thinking we can run away from God. You remember that story, don't you? God said to Adam, I don't want you to eat the forbidden fruit. And Adam said, forbidden fruit? We got forbidden fruit? Eve, did you know we got forbidden fruit? She said, no way. He said, yes way. God said, don't eat the fruit. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so. That's why. So a little bit later, God comes back and there's Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. Didn't I tell you not to eat the fruit? I don't know. Adam said, she started. Eve said, did not, did too, did not, did too. God said, be quiet. And as punishment, as you know, he gave them kids of their own. And (laughs) we've been trying the same thing ever since. But you never run from God and wind up in a better place. Listen to me, church. You cannot outrun a call from God. Did you notice the irony? God says, Jonah, I want you to go preach to pagans. Jonah said, I'm not going to go preach to pagans. So he runs the other way. And what does he wind up doing on the boat? Preaching to pagans. And they wind up finding the Lord. See, this story isn't recorded to ask the question, can a man live inside a fish? It's recorded to say, when you get a call from God, don't be like Jonah. Make sure you're getting a good connection. To do that, you need to see three things. I want you to see first the connection between being an object and an agent of God's mercy. See, Jonah is angry that God will not put discriminatory limits on his grace. Jonah wants God's grace to go so far and no farther. By the way, the Pharisees were constantly angry at Jesus for the same reason. You see, Jonah is the Old Testament version of that older brother in Luke 15 that doesn't want the dad to be good to the youngest son. That's Jonah. And at the root of his anger is a double standard. He is perfectly willing for God to give him mercy. But he doesn't want to be an agent of that mercy. After all, he thinks to himself, well, those people in Nineveh, they are not deserving of the grace of God. Which, by the way, is the ultimate oxymoron. If you were deserving of grace, it wouldn't be grace. You know, a song kept coming to my mind as I wrote this sermon. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations. God's grace is the hope of the Iraqis. It's the hope of the Israelis. 
And it's the hope of everybody in this room right now. And the ability to see that connection is critical to the matter of calling. Because the sense of how you think God has dealt with you will absolutely impact the way you feel when He calls you to go to somebody else. And you're going to fight that call until you are convicted to your core. It is only by God's sheer unadulterated grace that I have any right to stand before Him at all. How can you run away from a God who's never run out of mercy for you. And so look at with me at one of the great verses of the Old Testament. He showed you, O man. Micah chapter 6. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. And not to tolerate. Not even to like. God wants you to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. When you get a chance to show mercy, God wants you to love it. Jesus said life is going to be full of really difficult people who do not deserve your kindness. And here's what he said to do. Luke 6, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And if you're not, you're going to wind up like Jonah. Mercy misers typically make a shipwreck of their lives. And by the way, that's another connection I want you to see. That there is a connection between disobedience and the storms that follow. Now let me make a quick point. If you want to run from God, the devil is going to make sure there's a boat for you to get on. I guarantee you that. You want to run away from your marriage? You want to run away from your values? You want to run away from your call or your ministry or your church? I guarantee you the devil will make sure there's a boat there for you to get on. And for the first few moments it's going to be smooth sailing. But don't you dare interpret the fact that for a few moments you're running away is going just fine as proof that God is okay with it. The devil will always provide you a ride. But you're going to pay the fare. God may delay His discipline, but He will not deny it. Because let me tell you, you can choose to miss the call. You cannot mock the caller. Those sailors knew something was up. You know, they weren't very far from land. If they were, they wouldn't have tried to row back. I mean, they were very early in this journey, and this storm came up that they did not see coming. And these guys know storms, and they know sailing, and they know right off the bat, this is not a normal storm. 
They knew this is a supernatural storm. Somebody has ticked off a God. God was sending Jonah a wake-up call. And Jonah could have ended the threat immediately. All he had to do was repent. There was a different plan. He could have repented before God and man and said, Guys, I need to go to Nineveh, turn this boat around. That storm would have stopped and he could have been on his way. But he was so stubborn, he would rather put a crew of compassionate pagans at risk than obey the call of God. And by the way, real important side point here. Every time you run from a call of God, you are affecting somebody else. One of the most putrid lies Satan will ever tell you is that if you were going to sin in secret and nobody else knows about it, you're not hurting anybody. That's a lie. Your disobedience to the the call God has put on your life is always hurting somebody. Whether they know what you're up to or not. This past Friday night, my side of the family, we got together for a meal and my dad started telling everybody the story of my very first sermon. Where in the early 1970s in Oak Cliff in South Dallas in the midst of great racial strife, I preached a sermon against racism and almost split a church when I was 16 years old. You know, the church of Oak Cliff in 1972 was the most segregated community in Oak Cliff. More than the businesses, more than the schools, more than the playgrounds and the ball fields. The most segregated community in Oak Cliff were the churches. And the churches had a chance in a time of great trial and controversy to stand up and speak the clear word of the Lord and instead... We stayed silent. In fact, we were the first to put our houses up for sale to leave. And all those churches are closed now, including the one I grew up in and was baptized in. But here's the rest of the story no one ever talks about. That little church I grew up in had about 50 kids in the youth group. Even though we were small, we had a big youth group. A few years back, we had a reunion and we tried to find out where everybody had landed. We could only figure about five out of those 50 kids are now walking with the Lord. Would it have made a difference if they had seen their parents stand up and answer the call and speak God's word for a moment? And instead, they have drowned in a sea of cynicism. Believing the church has nothing to offer. Your disobedience to a call always endangers somebody else. And maybe you've got a storm in your life right now. Maybe it's God's wake-up call to you. Because I want you to see a connection finally between God's 
discipline and his pursuing grace. See, only one person in this story runs more than Jonah, and it's God. God is pursuing Nineveh. God is pursuing the sailors on the boat. God is pursuing his rebellious prophet. Even to the extent of sending a fishogram. That fish was not sent to kill Jonah. It was sent to save him. Understand, God was not pursuing Jonah to pay him back. But to bring him back. It's the same reason he's pursuing you. Some years ago in California, a guy steals a car. Well, that's no big deal. That happens hundreds of times a day. But this time, all over the state, radio stations started announcing the license plate of that car. You say, why? Because the owner of the car had put a box of crackers on the passenger seat and laced them with rat poison to go try to deal with a rat problem he had at one of his properties. And the guy that stole the car didn't know that those crackers right next to him would kill him if he ate them. And so all over the state, people are looking for this car and everybody's trying to chase him. Not to punish him. But to save him. That's one reason God sends storms. See, this is not a story about a great fish. It's a story about a great God. And the miracle in this story is that his heart is so big that even after we run and treat him the way we do, he still chooses to drown us in mercy and in grace. And how will we respond? And the point of the book is, not like Jonah. If you and God have a bad connection right now, Do something about it. And here's how you start. Ask yourself two important questions. Number one, where do I run to escape God's call? See, we have all tried the long distance thing with God. Let's be honest. Every one of us has. Where do you run when you don't want to do what God wants you to do? Some people run to sex. And some people run to porn. And some people run to drugs and some people run to alcohol. Some people run to work. Some people run to sports or to hunting. Some people run to church. You heard me. Church is a popular place to run to escape a call of God. Where you have a burden on your heart and you know what he wants you to do and it will take you out of your comfort zone and you don't want to go there. So you just go to ladies Bible class instead. And try to block the call. There is no refuge. From a pursuing God. There is only refuge in him. And that's good news. And for some of you, that's a wake-up call. Where do you run when you want to get away from a call of God? And question number two. 
Who is my Ninevite? You see, you would be wrong, I think, to read the book of Jonah and say, oh, I know what the point is. The point is God loves everybody. No. The point is we know God loves everybody and we still don't care. That's the point. We know God loves everybody, including people nothing like us. And we don't want to do anything about it. That's the point. God has a heart for the people that we want to hate or just ignore and never pray for. And it's not because they're so good. It's because He is. And once you see Him like that, It changes how you see everybody. And so some of you saw recently the actress Sandra Bullock win the Academy Award Best Actress Oscar for her portrayal of Leanne Tui in the movie called The Blind Side. A wonderful movie I recommend if you haven't seen it. And her husband Sean was at a fundraiser telling about the day they first brought Michael Orr into their home. In the movie, it happened at night. Actually, it happened in the morning. And they're driving in a family in their car. And their nice, safe, sheltered, protected life. And they drive past on a cold, rainy November day. A black man-child in shorts and a t-shirt on the side of the road. Because he's got nowhere to go. And Sean Tui says, my wife said two words that turned everything around. And the two words were, turn around. I think that's the message of the book. Turn around. And go Where I told you to go. Leave your comfort zone. And go to Nineveh. So who's your Nineveh? Maybe your Nineveh is a let's start talking trip. Maybe your Nineveh is tutoring at Mullendore School. Or going down to Como. Or maybe it's teaching three year olds. Or working in the apartment ministry. Going on a summer mission trip. But you've got a Nineveh in your life. And it's no accident. And it's time you made the connection. So let's bow our heads. Let's ask God for some enlightenment. Just take a moment. Ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you any call. That you have been avoiding.
So, Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful this week some kids are going to get some mentors they've been needing. I'm thankful some missionaries are going to get some encouragement. I'm thankful some lonely kids in high school that get picked on a lot are going to get some new friends this week. Because some people right here in this room are going to hear the call to go to Nineveh. So give us courage. Give us greater faith. And if you have to, God, give us a storm, whatever it takes, that we are where we're called to be. And we ask for this blessing in the name of Him who came to us, Jesus. Amen. I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me. And I'll never be alone. And I might add, the very first step to salvation is to recognize you've been a fugitive. The very first step to salvation is to realize it's time to stop running from God and start running to Him. We're going to sing one more song. And as we sing it, if you need to come and be baptized into Jesus Christ, we hope you will come today and stop running from God. Start running with Him. And as we sing this song, I hope we'll also encourage each other to recognize God really does have a heart for the world. Let's stand up right now. Let's sing.